0: Please and let me know on the, um, the comments if you can hear me okay Does it sound okay? to check please someone just give me a quick sound check okay to the lahin bismillahir rahim wa la 'udwana illa 'ala adh-dhalimin wa so uh, first of all let me uh as you can see, I'm I'm not in my usual uh, place for this lecture. I'm away, so uh, I'm going to apologize in advance if the lighting isn't uh, excellent or as good as it should be. Um, but please, inshallah ta'ala, bear with me. So, uh, inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to finish the tafsir of Surah balad And this is a surah that we've been doing now for a number of weeks. And it has, as we know, a number of important lessons. And essentially, it speaks about the reality of a person of the human being and the way that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us and the the things that allah has given to us and the way that people some of them or many of them uh, use those abilities and those skills those blessings that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon them they use them in a way that isn't befitting they use them in ways that are pleasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are the few who are able to do not only the minimum, but as we saw in last week's lesson, they do more than the minimum. They go and they excel over and above what is uh, what is needed. And those are the ones that Allah Azza wa refers to as being the people who traverse the Aqaba. And the Aqaba, as we know, is that difficult mountainous path. It's that path that is extremely difficult to take and to, tra- and to traverse and to be able to come out on the other side of. And that's why it is something which is very uh, very difficult to do and that's why very few people are able to do it most of us don't have that ability our iman isn't strong enough for us to be able to go and traverse what is considered to be the aqaba so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he, when he speaks about this in the Quran he speaks about this in in that way and Allah Jalla describes it as we saw last week in a number of ways and from the ways or from the examples that he gives of the aqaba of taking that difficult mountainous path is that he says subhanahu wa ta'ala it is fakku raqaba It is the freeing of a slave. And that's extremely difficult to do, not only because it is an extreme amount of wealth that is required in in terms of buying a slave and freeing them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, emancipating them. But if you were the owner of the slave, it is also difficult because those slaves are people who would help you. They would work for you. They would bring you an income. Or if you are a person who, for example, as they were in the olden days, people of business, people of commerce, people of, for example, farming they and agriculture, they would use those people in their different places of work in order to be able to help them. It's essentially a form of labor that is extremely, uh, you know, extremely easy for them to be able to use. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Qur'an, he mentions that it is one of the most difficult things to be able to do because of the amount of water it takes and how difficult it is. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises those people who are able to do so. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran after this verse in Surah al balad gives another example. O it'aamun yawmin dhi or the one who feeds people on the day of extreme hunger, right? As we saw last week in the statements of the likes of Qatada. Rahimahullah and others, it is a day in which food is needed and wanted and desired because it is so difficult to obtain. When you have a lot of food, it's easy to give some food. When you have a lot of money, it is easy to give some of that money. But when there isn't much money that you have and that no one else has, there's not enough food for you and your family, let alone everyone else, to give sadaqah on that day is extremely difficult. Fi يوم the ذي مسغبة, in a day of extreme prevalent hunger. and the And then they begin with the people who most people wouldn't really think about. Those people that are closest to you, but that others may uh, overlook or others may ignore or others may not acknowledge. Such as the orphan. The orphan who is related to you. And especially in the context as we know of the Quraysh and the Arabs of Jahiliya, the orphan was usually the one that had very little rights, very few rights. And people didn't really look after them unless they had someone who would stand up for them. And there were those people... Uh, available as well there were those people present in that time as you know for example from the story of our prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam his grandfather abdul Muttalib, and then after him after abdul muttalib uh, the uncle of the prophet وسلم, abu talib who was the father of ali radiallahu he they were people who stood up for the rights of the prophet sallallahu and they cared for, cared for him and they took took him under their wing so to speak and they they did what they needed to do those people are few it was very prevalent amongst the Arabs and there are even a number of hadith when a woman would come because as we know the orphan in the Islamic definition is the one whose father passes away. The woman would come with her young children to the Prophet ﷺ complaining that their paternal uncles, the children's uncles, meaning her, her husband who had passed away, his siblings, his brothers, had essentially taken his wealth, taken his property, taken everything, left nothing behind for the wife who is now the widow and the children who are now orphans. It was very common in the time of the Prophet ﷺ in the time of Jahiliyyah, and the time of the Quraysh in Mecca and amongst the Arabs generally in the peninsula. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore focuses on these people because they are the ones who no one really thinks about. Oh miskeenan dha matraba, or the poor person who is extremely poor to the extent, as we know some of the scholars said, that it means that they're literally lying down on the ground or that the dust is touching them. And it's something which is, uh, you know, which is, which is kind of mixing with them because of how, difficult the situation is or as some of the scholars said it refers to the one who has a great family that depends upon them they're extremely poor but there are people who is is it's not a person who's just looking after themselves but it is a person who has children and dependents and they don't have enough to be able to provide for them and any parent will know how difficult that situation would be it is probably the one one of the most difficult things for a parent to be able to bear that they have a number of children a number of people depending upon them and they're unable to provide for them. They're unable to clothe them. They're unable to feed them. They're unable to give them a warm place to live in and shelter and a roof over their heads. It is one of the most difficult things that a person can experience. So these are the aqabat, These are the things that Allah Azza mentions in terms of the things that a person should be uh, should be uh, aspiring towards. The things that one of uh, that each and every single one of us should be looking towards and aspiring towards. In verse number 17, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're coming now towards the end of this surah in the last few verses. Allah Azzawajal says, Thumma kana amanu bil bil And to be one of those who believe and urge one another to steadfastness and compassion. Steadfastness and compassion. And this is very similar as we know, or at least the last portion of it is very similar, uh, and, and even the beginning portion of it is very similar to that final verse of Surah Al Asr which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the vast majority of people of, of mankind are in loss except for those who believe and do righteous deeds and they advise one another with patience, they advise one another with the truth. This is similar to that because that is the essence of Iman in order for you to have salvation and success in this dunya you need to be able to have those four things. Iman in Allah azza wa jal, righteous actions that you perform, good deeds that you do And then to be able to traverse the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations of the dunya, by being able to be steadfast upon the truth and steadfast upon patience. You need patience to be able to be steadfast upon the truth. This is similar to that but slightly different because now we're not just speaking about the general uh, position of, of, of success, but we're speaking about something else as well, which is, as we've seen in the previous verses, going up a step above of wanting to do more, of traversing the aqaba, which is those Difficult mountainous paths in terms of ibadat and acts of worship and acts of gaining nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And note that, that these or this particular aspect, when Allah says at the beginning, Thumma kana amanu, and then to be of those who believe. Note that the iman must be present before the uh, things that are mentioned in, in order for it to be something which profits and benefits a person before a person frees a slave before a person, for example, feeds a poor person, before someone uh, sponsors an orphan and looks after them, as we we know, a person has to have iman. Iman is the prerequisite of those actions. If a person does those things, but they don't have iman, they don't have belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't say la ilaha illallah, those things have minimal benefit and have no benefit in terms of the overall aspect of standing before Allah azza wa jalla on qiyamah. In this verse though, as we can see in this surah, the iman comes after it. Right? The iman comes after it, and as uh, the teacher of our teacher, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin al Taala, said, the, thumma here, the, the then is not to denote a, a chronology, it's not that then you have this, you do those actions first, and then you have iman, but rather it is only mentioned as a secondary thing, because it is something which should be known already, right? The people who do those actions, they must have these, or they, they are people who have these attributes, the attribute of iman, The attribute of patience and the attribute of of having rahmah, having mercy towards others and caring for them and a genuine sense of of compassion. Uh, And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these now, right? These people are the people who have these in order for a person to be able to perform those actions which are extremely difficult. A person must have these three things. They must have iman and included in iman is righteous deeds because we know that from other verses of the Quran and from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And then number two, they must be people of patience because to do those things requires an extreme amount of fortitude an extreme amount of patience in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an extreme amount of patience upon being able to do that good and being patient upon some of the negative after effects that may come from that. For example, someone freeing a slave may feel that in their business, may feel that in their their personal life. Someone giving wealth or food to a person when they don't have enough food for themselves, they will feel some of that effect within their own lives and the lives of their family. And so they have to be patient upon that. But they have marhamah. They have rahmah. In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have rahmah for the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right they have an amazing sense of mercy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's because mercy is something which is one of the most important attributes for the believer it is the mercy that allows a person to do good towards others. It's mercy that makes us want to call others to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's mercy that wants to make us teach others and benefit them in terms of knowledge and guiding them towards the truth, the true path. It is mercy in terms of the way that we forgive people for the sins that they commit or the, the errors that they commit towards us. And we still continue to do good towards them. All of this is mercy. And that's why when Allah summarized the message of the Prophet وسلم, his goal or his objective, he said, We have only sent you to be a mercy for the world. That is what the Prophet ﷺ was sent for. Because everything that he does ﷺ is essentially a form of mercy for mankind. Right? It is a type of mercy for the people of mercy. And from the beautiful things that the scholars of hadith used to do, from their beautiful practices and from the, uh, the ways of teaching that they would have, is often in the sittings of hadith, when they would read the books of hadith, so just say they're reading Bukhari or they're reading from Muslim or they're reading from any of the books of hadith. They would often begin with a hadith that even today we can connect with the chain of narration from me and you all the way back to the Prophet And for those of you that may have attended my, uh, I did like a series or or a, a series of lectures, two or three sessions before last Ramadan, when we went through the book of fasting uh, from Sahih al-Bukhari. If you go, through, go to Green Lane Masjid and you look at the YouTube page, you go back to just before Ramadan, a few days before. We did three different days where we went through basically a whole reading and commentary of uh, the book of fasting from Sahih al-Bukhari. And what I did at the beginning of them is is the same thing that the scholars of hadith have done for centuries and centuries. And that is essentially they would begin these sessions by narrating a hadith that is known as the Hadith of Mercy. And it is al-mussalsal bil-awwaliyya. It is often, it is called al-awwaliyya. It is the Awaliyah. It's the first hadith that they would begin these sessions with. Why is it the first hadith that they would begin these sessions with? And you will find within that chain of narration, the names of the likes of Ibn al-Jawzi and, and, and some of the famous scholars of Islam throughout the ages. And it goes back to essentially a narration that goes back. Uh, and the first one it is said that started this practice was the great scholar uh, from the students of the Tabi'een, Sufyan ibn Uyayna. Ta'ana. and it started from him and everyone that came after him the hadith that he narrates is a hadith that is authentic it goes back to Abdullah ibn Amr anhu, and that is that the Prophet said wasallam, those who are merciful the most merciful shows mercy to them Irhamu man man so show mercy to those upon the earth the one above the heavens will show mercy towards you And that's a famous hadith, a very well-known hadith, and it's a hadith that is collected in a number of the well-known books of hadith. This amazing statement of the Prophet all about mercy, and that's why it's called the hadith of mercy. Show mercy. Allah is merciful. If you want Allah's mercy, then you show mercy. Show mercy to the people of the earth and the one above the heavens, meaning Allah Azzawajal, will show mercy towards you. Why did they begin with this? Because the Sharia, the Qur'an, the sunnah, everything that we have in this religion is mercy. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةٍ للعالمين. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that this religion is based upon mercy and knowledge is one of the greatest forms of mercy that a person can have, then that is why the scholars used to begin with this particular hadith at the beginning of their sessions or the beginning of their lectures and their uh, studies. They would start with this hadith and today you can hear it with a chain of narration if you go to the majority of the scholars of hadith and you ask them to read a book and you say to them, can you start? with the hadith that is awwaliyah And they will mention this hadith. So most of them, unfortunately, I don't really mention the full chain of narration. They just mentioned to you, Sufyan ibn Uyina narrated and just the last the last two or three people to the Prophet, the, the couple of chains in that link. But you will find a chain from our time today, from from people like me and you, that goes all the way back through our teachers, throughout the centuries of Islam, all the way back to Sufyan ibn Uyina, who, um, you know, who we're talking about the second century uh, or the third century of Islam when he passed away, rahimahullah ta'ala. So it's something extremely important to our religion, the sense of having mercy. And when you feel that mutual mercy, that's what leads you to helping others and to doing good and to asking and hoping for the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa says that these people, uh, and there are and there are two ways of understanding this verse here. The first is that these people who have the aqaba they were people who did this, right? And this is the, the, the general meaning of this surah of this verse, that these people who did those things that are considered to be the aqaba from freeing the slave and feeding people and looking after the orphan and so on, they are the people of Iman and the people who advise or are steadfast, advise one another to be steadfast on patience and advise one another to be steadfast with mercy. It is also understood, or one of the ways that this can be understood as well, is that it is regarding those people who used to do these things before Islam, and then they became Muslim. So they would do them, it was part of something which they did, because we know, for example, and even today you have those types of people that then later become Muslim, but in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they were people who were known for their goodness, and their generosity, and their and their kindness, and their mercy, and their general good character. and They would do those actions, and then they would become Muslim. For example, the companion Hakim ibn Hizam, He's the one who came to the Prophet and he said, Oh Messenger of Allah, I did this and this and this before Islam. And then I became a Muslim. What about all of that stuff? The Prophet said to him, ala ma ala min khair. You have accepted Islam upon what you did of good. Meaning what you did of good then, you get its reward now that you are a Muslim. If you had died as a non-Muslim, you don't get that reward. But if you become a Muslim, then you get that reward inshallah ta'ala with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know, uh, and, and that's what Ibn Kathir uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, and he actually mentions this hadith that we just mentioned a short while ago, the hadith of mercy. He said that these people who do these actions are the people of iman, and the people who act upon the iman, and the people who are patient upon the harm that others give to them, and they are people of rahmah, as we mentioned in the hadith, ar-rahimuna, rahman And Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala mentions here the issue of the one that we just mentioned of Hakim ibn Hizam and others. And that is that if a person accepts Islam and they were doing certain things which are good, then once they become a Muslim, and this hadith of Hakim ibn Hizam is in Sahih Muslim, when they become a Muslim, they get that reward. So just say a person before Islam, they were people of good. They were people who were generous, people who were kind, people who, who had many things that we would consider to be good deeds, but they're not a Muslim. And then they accept Islam. What is the warning? Allah Allah Allah's Prophet told us that you are you accept Islam upon the good that you did, meaning the good that you did before, you get that that, that you get its reward now that you are a Muslim. The second issue here is. The person who does that good but he dies is a non-Muslim. Right? That's often a common question. You have people that also do a lot of good, but they're not Muslims. So what about them? In the Hadith of Aisha, anha, also in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet was asked by her about a man by the name of Ibn Jud'an. Ibn Jud'an was a man who, before Islam in Jahiliyyah, was a man who did good. He would join the ties of kinship and he would feed the poor and he would do many things of good, of, of a good nature. He would free slaves and, and many of those things that he would do. Uh, she asks the Prophet well, Messenger of Allah, this man, Ibn Judahan, did all of his actions benefit him? Any of those actions, did they benefit him? He said, no, because this person never said once to Allah, yawm Oh Allah, forgive me for my sins on the Day of Judgment. This is referring to the benefit that is found in terms of akhirah, the benefit in terms of deeds and reward that a person will benefit from on the Day of Judgment. However, there is another hadith in which the Prophet told us that these people who do good in this life, they get the reward of it in this life. So Allah makes it easy for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes from them hardships. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes from them uh, calamities that would have befallen them. Otherwise, Allah maybe gives them wealth or he makes their life comfortable for them. Whatever it is, or he expands their life for them, they live for a longer period of time, all of those things. That, we, that people in this life would consider to be a sign of goodness or a sign of a means of ease and so on. They are given the reward in this life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, as we know, just. And Allah Azza wa Jalla doesn't oppress anyone. If a person does good in this life, even if they're not Muslim, they get the share of their reward in this dunya. But in terms of the ultimate reward, and that's why the Sharia focuses on this aspect first and foremost, because that is the most important thing. That is what we actually aim for as, as Muslims, that reward that is the reward of the akhirah they don't get any of that why because they never once turned to allah in sincerity and sought forgiveness for uh, for their sins um, <clears throat> and that's why uh and that's why allah subhanahu ta'ala in the quran he tells us the story of, of many of those people and some of them had good in them Abu, Abu did good and he's one of the few people that, that is an exception to that rule in the sense that he will have some benefit in the akhira the usual rule is that they don't get any benefit in the akhira but abu talib is from amongst those people who will be an exception to that rule but the general rule is that they don't benefit from those actions in the akhira in verse number 18 then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to speak about those people these are the people who did that good who have iman who showed steadfastness and patience who stead, who showed steadfastness upon being merciful and advising one another to be merciful the prophet sallallahu then says in verse number 18 those who do this will be on the right hand side now we know in the sharia that allah subhanahu ta'ala in the quran allah often refers to the people of the right hand side or the people of jannah as being the people of the right hand side allah sometimes calls them the people of the right as he does here Main manner has similar meaning that you are on the right hand side, or Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions that they will receive their record of deeds in the right in their right hand, right? And so, وَمَنْأُتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِهِ يَسِيرًا. The one who is given their record of good deeds in their right hand, then they will have an easy accounting. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala refers to the word yamin, from the meanings of the word yamin or main which essentially is, is yameen, from the meanings of the word yameen is blessing. So from the meanings of the word yuman or yameen is barakah, blessing. And that's why many of the things that the Arabs used to refer to, they refer to them as uh, as being yameen, right? Something which is, it is considered to be a positive good, uh, a positive thing, a good thing, something which has blessing within it. And that's why Um, When a person has, uh, and that's why as we know in our Sharia, everything that is good or noble that we do, we do with the right hand, right? We eat with the right hand, we drink with the right hand, we greet one another with the right hand, we hold or give things and receive things with the right hand. And generally speaking, if there is something noble to be done, we begin it with the right, right? We enter into the masjid with the right foot, we enter into our homes with the right foot and so on and so forth. And so that is because it has the meaning of blessing, and it is a way of invoking that blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Imam Al tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Allah Jalla says that those people who, do, who, do, who perform these actions that have been mentioned in this surah, from freeing slaves, from feeding others, from helping others, they are from the people of the right. And they are the ones who on the Day of Judgment will be taken from the right side and they will be entered into, into Jannah. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala, says something very similar, that those people who have these attributes, these characteristics, meaning in terms of freeing people and helping people and feeding people, they're from the people of the Yameen, right? They are from the people of the Yameen, from the right-hand side. And Ibn Atiyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, that those people who stand towards the right, it is said to the right of the throne of Allah, to the right side of people, because as we know, there will be people on that day Will be of two or, or essentially there will be two or three directions. The main directions will be right and they will be left. And from the right, there will be those who are right and then those who will be at the forefront of those people at the right. They will be, as we know, as Allah says in Surah Al Waqi'ah, they will be the forerunners, the people at the forefront. But the vast majority of people will either be right or left. Ashab al Yameen and Ashab al Shimal. Those people on the right, Ibn Atiyah says, they will be the people that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will show mercy upon, just as they showed mercy upon people in this dunya. Imam al-Qurtubi, he said, the meaning of them being from the right is that they will be given their record of deeds with their right hand. They will be given their record of deeds in their right hands. And that is also a correct meaning because both of them have been established in the Quran. Number one, that they will be people on the right hand side, Ashabul Yameen, or as in this verse, Ashabul Maymana. And number two, that they will be the people who will receive their record of deeds in their right hand. Both of those meanings have been established as we know in the Sharia. Yahya Ibn Sallam, he said, These people are called the people of Yameen, because they were people who showed blessing upon themselves, meaning that they were blessed people for themselves. So when a person does good, when they do ibadah, when they tend to Allah, جل, they are a source of blessing for themselves because of the good that they do that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them for. As for as opposed to the people who do evil, they are people who are not, don't bring, invoke blessings upon themselves, but they invoke the opposite of blessings, and that is the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Zayd said that they call the people of the yameen, because they were taken from the right side or the right hand side of the rib of their father Adam والسلام, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first uh, first created Adam and he extracted from him all of his progeny and others such as Maymun ibn Mihran they said that because it will be their station will be on the right on yawm al-qiyam all of those are very similar in terms of meaning and that is essentially that the people who do good in this life they are people of iman. They are people of good deeds. They are people of patience. They are people of mercy, and they are people who excel and try to do what is most pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Those are the people that Allah Azza Wa Jal, because they are blessed, Allah Azza Wa Jalla will bless them. Because they are people of mercy towards others, Allah Azza Wa Jalla will show mercy upon them. Because they are people of patience, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will be patient with them and forbearing towards them, Subhanahu Wa Taala. And Allah Azza Wa Jalla will essentially benefit them on the day of judgment. In verse number 19, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, But those who disbelieve in our revelations, they will be on the left hand side. These will be the people on the left. Remember At Imam tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, those people who rejected our signs, rejected our evidences, rejected our verses, rejected everything that came in the divinely revealed books and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophets and messengers with, those are the people that Allah Jalla is referring to. So if we take this back now to the beginning or towards the beginning of the surah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was speaking about those people who spend their wealth and they don't think that they will be held to account and they don't really acknowledge Allah as their creator and their provider and the one who will hold them to account, those are the people that now Allah Subhanahu is referring to. Despite the blessings that Allah gave to them, despite the talents and the skills and the abilities that they had, they didn't use them for good. They either used them to become negligent of Allah's rights to spend this whole life just, just, just busy in terms of what they're doing and not really caring about the Akhirah. Or they're people who did worse than that. As we said that some of the scholars of Tafsir said that it's referring to those people who actively pushed back and pushed away Allah and his Prophet وسلم, they became enemies of Allah and the Prophet in the region of Islam. Those are the people that now Allah Azza is referring to in these last two verses when he says in this verse, whom Ashabul mash'ama Al-Mashama means the left. Right? And the right in the Quran, as we as we just mentioned, is mentioned as Yameen and Maiman, and both of them are very similar in, in meaning, the the word still comes back to human, which is a type of blessing when it comes to the, the left side, you have two words you have Shimal or as mentioned in Surah Al-Waq'i'ah and other than Surah Al-Waq'i'ah Allah says that they will be given their record of deeds in their left hand or you have this word here that is referred to, used to refer to these people, and that is that they are the people of Mash'amah and al-mash'ama comes from the root word sh'm. And Shum is the opposite of human. Human is blessing and good and everything that is uh, praiseworthy. Shu'm is its opposite. It is cursing and evil and everything that is the opposite of being blessed. So that is what is called Shum, And shu'm is often used as a bad omen as well in the Arabic language. It is often used as a bad omen or bad luck if you like to say. Or, or one of those words. It is often referred to in that way. And that's what you have even in the hadith when the prophet said that if there was to be something like bad luck or a bad omen, then it would be for example in your spouse, it would be in the car that you drive, it would be in the place that you live right if, because we don't have we're not superstitious like that as Muslims. but the the shum was something which was prevalent amongst the Arabs. they were very superstitious people. And they would be extremely superstitious in terms of, you know, they would often cast uh, cast lots and they would they would often do certain things that would, that would make them, allow them to choose like they would, what we call it, what is called in the sharia's tiyara, types of omens that they would look for in terms of should I do this or shouldn't I? Should I uh, go upon this journey or not go upon this journey? Should I marry this person or not marry this person? And so on and so forth. They would try to do these superstitious things because they were people of superstition. Islam came in and abolished that. And instead it told us that we have the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have and we know the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this type of, 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 of thinking or this type of word that is used also refers to a curse or an evil that is done. And that's why these people are known as the people of mash'ama. They are known as the people of mash'ama because a shu'am, just as a yameen and human refers to blessing, it denotes the meaning of blessing. This refers to the opposite meaning. What is the opposite meaning of blessing? To not be blessed means to be distanced from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, distanced from Allah's blessings, distanced from everything which is good in terms of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to his servants and his His slaves. And that's why these people are known as the people of Mash'ama because they didn't do anything to bless themselves, to bless their lives, to bless their offspring, to bless their time in the dunya. But rather what they did was that they did the opposite of that. Everything that they do and everything that they attain and everything therefore that they will be uh, punished for in terms of the consequence that they will receive when they are held to account on your qiyamah all of that is because of the evil that they brought upon themselves so essentially you have two types of people those people who do good and worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and because of that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to them blessing because of the blessing that they brought through their iman and their righteous deeds or they will be the people who because of their kufr and their disbelief and their rejection of allah and his prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the quran and all of its evidences and signs they are people who only bring upon themselves curse and they only bring upon themselves the anger and the wrath of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's Qurtubi, and this is uh, very similar in uh, other statements to this pretty much pretty much the opposite uh in terms of the scholars see pretty much the opposite of what we had in the previous verse, al Qurṭubi said, these are the people that will take their record of deeds in their left hand. And Yahya ibn Salaam said, because these are the people who bought that evil or bought that wrath of Allah, bought that curse of Allah, جل, upon themselves. And Ibn Zayyid said, these are the people that were taken from the left loin of their father, Adam, alayhi salatu was salam. And Maimun ibn Mihran said, these are the people that will be standing towards the left side of people on the Day of Judgment. Imam al-Qurtubi, he essentially said, and essentially the meaning of this, if you were to take all of these different statements of the scholars of the past and the scholars of the tafsir together, essentially what it boils down to is this, and that is that the people of the right are the people of Jannah, and the people of the left are the people of the fire. That's essentially what it boils down to, and that is a very nice, comprehensive, uh, if you like, uh, you know, comprehensive way of bringing all of these different statements of the Salaf and the early scholars together. And Imam al Qurtubi says, essentially what you need to understand, what I need to understand, what we need to understand, is anything on the right goes to Jannah. And anything on the left is, its path is towards the fire. Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, the mash'amah is the extreme left. right? It is the extreme left, and that is the path towards Jahannam. And that is the path that the people who will be punished will taken. They will be taken and they will go towards that path. Right, and essentially, you have the right, and you have the left, and and that is why some of the scholars uh, even mentioned that the word uh, or the country Yemen uh, is called Yemen because it is towards the right. Right, it is towards uh, the right side. Uh, it is towards the right side of the direction of Mecca, whereas Asham, right, which is the Levant area of, of Syria and, and, and so on, is the left side. Right? And that's why some of the, you will find that, uh, I think Ibn Atiyah is from amongst those who mentions this, yes, you will find that some of them said that's one of the reasons why Yemen was called Yemen, and Asham sham was called Sham. Yemen from Yemen, and the sham is very similar and maybe has the same wording as al uh, from where we get the word Mash'ama as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, knows best. Right? And that's perhaps the reason Allah Azzawajal knows best, that those places were given those names uh, as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then in the final verse of this surah, which is verse number 20, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about these people and their destruction and their punishment. And he says, And the fire will close in on them. And this is very similar to the verse, or in fact, it is the same verse that we took in the tafsir of Surah Al-Humazah. In Surah Al-Humazah, Allah Azza says, right? And that's the verse that we took either I think probably two years or so ago now. And that's in Surah Al-Humaza. Surah Al-Humaza has the additional verse at the end. Whereas in Surah Al-Balad, the ending of the Surah is with this verse. And similar to what we mentioned before, and I'm not going to go through the whole uh, detail of this again, because that's something which we already covered previously. And if you want, you can go back to that, inshallah ta'ala, and you can look towards the tafsir of Surah Al-Humaza. It is still available in terms of the videos, in terms of the... Uh, you know, in terms of the um, the transcribed notes and so on. Uh, we spoke about that at some length at that time. But essentially what most of the scholars were of the position is that the word muqsadah, when Allah says, the word muqsadah means mutbaqah, that it is something which will conceal them, something which will seal them, and something which will enclose upon them. It is something which surrounds them from every direction, that there is no escape from it. And... That's why when a person, for example, is in some difficulty or in some type of, of punishment, usually there is some direction or some way that they can find some air or some type of, of thing to be able to go out from or some type of respite. The nar of Allah, جل, all of it is fire. Beneath it is fire, to the right and to the left and in front and behind and above. All of it is from uh, is the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the that fire is unlike anything. That a person will know, uh, and, that, and that is the same statement. Uh, this meaning that it is something which encloses them, something which seals them, and something which surrounds them from every direction. It is the statement of the likes of Ibn Abbas, radiAllahu Mujahid, and Qatada and قتادة, and al and the Imam tabari mentions this in his tafsir as being the meaning of the word muqaddam. So inshallah ta'ala we're going to conclude um, very shortly. So if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to ask them. But what I wanted to do in conclusion uh, to this particular tafsir is to mention the summary that is given by Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, which is a beautiful summary of of this surah. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to the human and he is uh, rejecting the notion of the person who believes that no one has power over them. So when Allah Azza wa Jalla says, does this person think that they will have no one that can overcome them? No one that is more powerful than them. Ibn al Taala says, Allah Azza wa rejects this, rejects this notion that this person has, that no one is more powerful than them. No one has more ability uh, than them. And he says, and the proof of this is within the person themselves. That when a person looks into themselves, they know their inherent weakness. You become ill, you become old, you become frail, you become fragile. So many things happen to a person throughout the course of their life that allows them to see their own inherent weakness, that they themselves are so weak and so feeble. And so how then can this person think that nothing is more powerful than them, nothing has power over them, when they can see within themselves the inherent weaknesses that they have. And similar to it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Ibn Qayyim says that when Allah Azzawajal says concerning this person that they are spending their wealth, I have spent a great deal of wealth. right And we said before that Ibn Qayyim was of the position that is referring to a general spending of wealth in terms of just wasting it in negligence and heedlessness and turning away from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Doesn't this person realize that they could have used that same wealth? in terms of bringing themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather than spending it in their desires and filling their wants and their pleasures, they could have spent it in something which was pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azzawajal then also rejects this notion, he goes on to say, by saying, Does this person not believe or not think that anyone is watching them, that they will hold him to account? And he says, And Allah Jalla mentions the proof for this as well if a person can see then surely the one who gave them the ability to see can see them and if a person can speak and has lips and a tongue then surely the one who allowed them to speak and gave them that lips and tongue will hold them to account and make them answer for their deeds and for their actions in this life and the one who gave them the choice of the najdain of the two paths of either choosing truth or falsehood or good or bad or righteousness and evil then surely he will hold them to account for the choice that they make and ask them to answer for the choice that they make whichever choice it is that they made and he says تعالى, that these are the fundamentals of a person's belief that they understand that allah has given them the choice and told them the path that is good, and showed them the path that brings them closer to Allah جل, then gave him the ability to take that path. That's what a person needs to know. They need to recognize the truth, acknowledge what the truth is, then take the path of that truth. That is essentially what Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says. And then he goes on to say, rahimahullah ta'ala, but the people who take that path are few because it is, a, it is an extremely difficult path to take. Those people who have the patience to do so, the perseverance, the discipline to do so, they are the ones who will free the safe, and they are the ones who will feed the poor, and they are the ones who will look after the uh, the orphan. And he says, and Allah Azawajal is telling them to do this because by the, by doing this, they free themselves from the fire. So when you free someone in this life, Allah Azawajal frees you from the fire. When you clothe someone, you help someone, you look after someone, you show mercy to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with you in a similar way on the day of judgment. So he says, Allah ta'ala, that the one who is able to do this and take that path and be patient upon it and show that level of mercy, those are the people that have iman. And those are the people of patience and mercy. Those are the people that Allah azza wa will bless and reward on the day of judgment. But as for those people who don't, he goes on to say in conclusion, those people who turn away, those people who don't take that path of the aqaba, they are the people who, because of its difficulty or the difficulty that they see in that path, they turn away from it. Those are the people that will be from the left-hand side. And those are the people that Allah Azzurajal will punish on the day of judgment. And then he says, in conclusion, so contemplate upon this surah, despite its brevity, despite its shortness, Look at how many of the most essential issues of iman and knowledge it contains. In terms of our success and our salvation, much of what we need, we will find in this surah, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. And with that, Inshallah Taala, we come to the conclusion of this surah. I uh, I know that we still have some time left, so if there's any questions, we can take them. Inshallah. Otherwise, we will conclude for today, uh, and Inshallah Taala, next week. And possibly and most likely the week after as well we have two specials that we're going to do they're going to be connected because essentially what we're going to do is we're going to take a tafsir look at the life of the scholar the author of that book of tafsir and then look at the methodology of the tafsir as well so maybe we'll do his biography in one lesson and then we'll look at um, we'll look at the tafsir book in the next one and i'm not quite sure which one yet but it may be something like tafsir al-Qurtubi or the tafsir of Al-Baghawi or Shokani, one of those books, inshallah ta'ala, one of the major books of Tafsir, or Ibn Atiyah, maybe even uh, one of those books of Tafsir, inshallah ta'ala. So if you have any questions, inshallah, please let me uh, let me know Prom into the chat. I'll give, give it like a minute or so, or if not, then inshallah ta'ala we will conclude for today. Inshallah, and if you have any um, uh, any particular, uh, you know, you have like any particular suggestions in terms of the book of Tafsir, I'm leaning towards one of the major ones, as I said, something like Al-Qurtubi or something like, uh, you know, something like one of those. Um, But if, for example, you uh, think that you'd or you want to give a suggestion for something else, Inshallah, please put that onto our chat group that we have on Telegram. Inshallah. And I will look into that as well. Even if it's not for this week, then maybe inshallah, ta- or next week rather, then maybe inshallah for uh, another week. Okay, so inshallah, Taala, with that we're going to conclude. Barakallahu feekum. Wa salli muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.